to the interview of the week here on KTH, 9, 10 a.m. on the Guadalupe Radio Network as we celebrate our 15th anniversary this year. We are delighted to be able to continue this program that we've been doing for, gosh, many, many years called the Interview of the Week, where we highlight uh, people and things and events and news that are going on here in North Texas and our local Catholic world. And I have learned so much and met so many wonderful people by doing these interviews, and it's a delight. And today will be no exception, as we uh, will be speaking to a young man, gentleman by the name of John Knowles, and he serves as Director of Operations for a... A uh, group called SeekDirection.app. And uh, I'll kind of leave it hanging as far as what they do. And you can guess until uh, John tells you exactly what they're all about. But uh, welcome him to the, the studio for this interview. John, good to see you. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be in here in the studio. It's five minutes from my house, so it was convenient to come in today. Yeah, if it was like six or seven, you probably would have said, I can't do it, right? <laughs> yes, no puedo. <laughs> can't do it. No se puede. Uh, so tell me about yourself, uh, young young Catholic. Uh, I know you told me you're uh, not a convert, but a revert. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your spiritual life? Sure, yeah, cradle Catholic, grew up. Outside of Houston, which I hope is okay in North Texas. Eh, I, I don't came know. up here. Let's as call as it I off. Could. <laughs> no, no. I, so uh, we're all Texans here. And, yeah. Um, and some Oklahomans, I'm assuming, listening. We, uh, four of us, uh, grew up in a Catholic home. And outside of Houston, we went to St. Lawrence, uh, which is a parish on the southwest side. Um, had a wonderful Catholic education. I began to doubt my faith through some literature that I encountered and the suffering that people were enduring. You know, like they were depicted as real and that really struck me, you know, and like, is God real? Does God provide? Um, where is God when I need him? And that was something that I had to possibly through a relationship of spiritual direction work through. And I, well, God worked me back into the faith through some of those questions and helped me to see him as providential. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like through college, I went to Boston College, um, grew closer to him. And it's been three years since I graduated from there. So, Okay. What was your degree in? English and philosophy. Okay. Okay. Interesting that uh, things that you had read shows you what influence literature has on and also the whole idea of suffering that uh, I heard somebody say one time is the biggest reason why people don't believe in God is they just can't reconcile a good God with the suffering in the world. And it sounds like that's part of your story as well. So now you're living here in North Texas and uh, part of the the local community and uh, that's great. So what is SeekDirection.app, and how did you get involved in it? Yeah, our slogan is Find Your Way. We know that Catholics sometimes can't find a spiritual director who's that outside perspective who's guiding uh, the person to seek where the Holy Spirit is leading them in their faith life, mm-hmm. right? Because our God works in individual lives, um, in individual ways, with the same universal love for all, but in a very particularized way in your life, if you're listening to this. And so what we wanted to do in creating this application for which I'm the director of operations I started about a month ago um, was 
make sure that those who are seeking direction can find mm-hmm. a director. Yeah, that's our mission. And do you happen to know? And like, I'm guessing very few Catholics have a spiritual director. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's any statistics about that. I know that I have personally, off and on through my adult life, and I, you know, I work in Catholic radio, and I talk about this stuff all the time. And I, I would bet you, in my adult life, probably. Maybe a quarter of it I've had a spiritual director. I currently, right now, don't have a spiritual director. So it's, it's, I would bet it's more common than not to not have a spiritual director. Would you agree with that? Yes, I don't have the statistics, but I do know that, you know, if I used to work at a parish and I'm just kind of going back mentally to that experience. If I'm looking over the pews, even those who were they're at the church a lot. You know, they were the people that I actually got to know through my work and my role. I doubt very many of them had one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think probably the, 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 the biggest reason people don't have them is that, first of all, they don't think about it or it's, it's just something that they, they want to make time for. But even if they do desire it, most people would say the priests are too busy. You know, my pastor, he's got too much going on. There's a few, few, too few priests anyways. That's a big excuse, isn't it? But the, the, what you're doing kind of gets around that because these aren't all religious or priests. This is primarily lay people. Is that right? Who are providing the spiritual direction through the app? We do have a mostly lay director base right now. Okay. Uh, and we anticipate that would be going forward. And the, I think what we're trying to capitalize on is that in light of the pre-shortage that you just mentioned, there are several schools that are cropping up that are certifying lay people to do that kind of work that you mentioned that's very much needed, but that the priests just can't do, physically cannot do. Yeah. And so while only priests can serve in sacramental ministry and confession and all that, spiritual direction can take place with a non-ordained person. And that's something that we want to make even easier. Mm-hmm. And you talk about the certification. What, what, what does a spiritual director need? Uh, obviously, they have to know the faith. You know, I don't know if they have to have a PhD in it, but they, they should certainly have some degree of holiness. That's kind of hard to quantify. <laughs> right. Uh, so so what, what, what makes a good spiritual director, and how does one you know, go through the process of getting certified? Great. Yeah, I'm happy to tackle. I guess I'll tackle the one about... Uh, becoming a spiritual director. Yeah. Right. So it's a, usually about a two year program, as I understand. And um, it is a theological foundation for the person, particularly if they don't already have a master's level understanding of theology. Uh, but it's also going into certain traditions of saints who have had a special insight, probably a graced insight yeah. into how, as I was saying earlier, God works in individual lives and how we can, without certainty and with the proper reverence, we can start to maybe guess, right? What is it that, uh, what is that God is working in my life? And eventually it's not just a guess. It's like, oh, there you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And just to be clear, you're not, you're, um, SeekDirection.app doesn't train spiritual directors, right? The, no. the, the certification you're talking about is done elsewhere. But what Correct. you what you do and what SeekDirection.app does is connect a spiritual director who already has certification with somebody seeking spiritual direction. Is that right? Right. And I actually should kind of pause there because Dan and Stephanie Burke do have the Avila Institute, um, and they are our partners. So, okay. Uh, they are... Uh, 
really dynamic husband and wife um, whom I've gotten to know over the past month uh, who are very much versed in uh, discernment and spiritual life and to help people to uh, to advance along that path. Yeah. Tell us, what is that relationship? Uh, I think many of our listeners are familiar with them, and they do have an amazing story, Dan and Stephanie Burke, the Avila Institute. So how does that work between what they're doing and uh, SeekDirection.app? I think... Dan spoke of it as a kind of dream come true or an apparent providential happening when I actually don't know the story, but Nathan, who co-founded the company with Mariana Zayas, his fiance, whom you guys had in this, this same studio a month or so ago, um, they came and they said, we have the capacity to match people who are seeking direction with those who can give that direction. And they were like, great, we have all these resources on spiritualdirection.com, which yeah. is their site, uh, yeah. one of them. And we can you know, talk to them about, in general, about, you know, like, this is one way that one might go about finding a spiritual director. But actually being able to direct them to a website, seekdirection.app, and say, like, this is where you can find your next spiritual director. Like, that's huge. Yeah. And um, credit to them, they bought in, and I've been... Really pleased to work with you. Yeah, John Knowles is my guest, Director of Operations with SeekDirection.app. So if somebody listening right now goes to SeekDirection.app.app, what will they see there? What's wh- Where are you in this whole you know process right now? We are targeting, at the end of October here in 2021, we are targeting 70 spiritual directors who would be available to people who are listening to uh, potentially match with. And what's intriguing about this is that when you hit sign up, you can go through a survey and get a sense of your temperament and what you are looking for in the spiritual direction relationship. Maybe there's a specific need that you have. And then we will match you with one of those 70 directors who's most like you in terms of temperament and who can provide that particular area of need for you. Okay, so you currently have 70. And are are you looking for more? If somebody listening right now is a spiritual director, can they contact you and say, hey, I'd like to be your 71st? Is that possible? I I wish we had a camera in here. Yeah, I was smiling at that. If you are listening and you're a spiritual director and your good ministry um, can extend to people on our platform who need it, then by all means, sign up. Thank you. All right. So that that's obviously a big need. And then is there a cost? Yeah, our pricing model is we have a platform fee of three ninety nine if you book a session. Um, the directors, some of them are lay, and while their primary income is not spiritual direction, they do appreciate a consideration um, for that um, providing spiritual direction as well. So that might be um, present on top of the three ninety nine that helps keep us going at Seek Direction. So. Those are the two costs that someone could expect. All right. So three ninety nine is that three hundred ninety nine? No. Uh, three dollars ninety nine. Three dollars ninety nine oh. cents. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's no, a whole I, lot better than. Th- yeah, I was like, okay, boy, that that could be pretty expensive. So three dollars ninety nine cents, and that's just for your, you know, fee to to make the connection, and then you say beyond that that uh, there, there there could be a charge with the, but that's up to the director themselves, right? Right. Uh, is are these all virtual uh, spiritual direction or is there a chance to have in person if you live in the same area? 
Yes, we certainly, for those who can accept in-person directees and the person can come, uh, we would love for that to happen. Um, just with the small scale that we're at right now, it's going to be virtual mostly for now. Yeah. And these 70 that you've got, are they spread out across the country, the world, or what's the, the geographical boundaries of, of how, where these folks are? I don't think we have anyone outside of the United States. Okay. Would that be a possibility, though, as long as they sure. speak, speak English? Are, are you doing um, more than one language, or is it all English right now? We do have a question for both directors and directees about uh, languages spoken. I think we even have in other fields. So you know, if we, we get you know, a lot of responses, um, I don't think we have Croatian on there. But you know, if, if yeah. a lot of people start typing Croatian in there, maybe we'll uh, add it to the, the, the ones you can select. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was what your recommendation? Do you do you think uh, it's best to have somebody who's of the same you know sex as you? D- d- does that matter? Uh, anything else that somebody may say? I don't know what to put in as far as qualifications. I just want somebody who's holy. Or well, what kind of thing would you recommend for somebody who's seeking spiritual direction? Right. Our God is a universal Father who, who loves all, but as I said, works individually in individual lives. So I think. The answer to your question is it would vary case by case. You know, I was 18 when I was first in a spiritual direction relationship. I think I was probably more comfortable having a man be my director. Um, we would certainly understand that. And we would even accommodate that if you select, you know, I'm only seeking to be matched. And at the director might also select, I'm only seeking to be matched with this certain sex. But mm-hmm. um, for the most part, you know, it's just a question, does this person know the Lord and can they guide me in, in a particular way toward a more intentional prayer life, toward doing certain things uh, in my prayer that lead me closer to God and lead me away from some of the distractions that I'm probably frustrated I'm encountering, um, who will encourage me like, yes, distractions happen in prayer. It just happens. That's what happens. Um, You know, that's something that can happen in a relationship between people of the opposite sex, people of the same sex in a spiritual direction room. All right. Uh, John Knowles is my guest, uh, Director of Operations, SeekDirection.app, SeekDirection.app. Their their slogan or motto is Find Your Way. And I remember when I've done interviews with people who do marital counseling, uh, the, the question always comes up, you know, at what point in somebody's marriage... Do the, you know, like how bad does it have to get or how good when they need counseling? And I would ask the same thing. Everybody's in a different place spiritually. Some people are in horrible despair and maybe they're, they're going to, they're losing their faith in God. And then on the other spectrum, people are like, you know what? Things are pretty good. I'm, I'm praying and I, I feel good about my relationship. Do all people need spiritual direction or, or, or what would you say to that? Yeah. So at the risk of self quotation, I was just, trying to write that out, like a, write out an answer to that question. And I said, like, if you're among the 100% of people who need it, then spiritual direction is for you. If you want help along the way to God, then somebody else is going to have to help you get there. That might be a friend, might be a peer, but a spiritual director who's not your peer and who does have training and helps to give you a kind of different sort of accountability than a friend might. Mm-hmm. That's really invaluable for anyone. Yeah. How often would one meet with a spiritual director on average, or what, what typically is the case? Yes, FAQs on seekdirection.app state uh, once a month. Once a month, okay, all right. 
And do you have an idea? I know you said that beyond the three dollar and ninety nine cents uh, charge right. uh, for Seek Direction app, <laughs> I really thought it was four hundred. I was like, wow, that's pretty steep. But hey, you know, if it's important, okay, a lot better. Three dollars and ninety nine cents. Uh, do you know, like on average, or or if if a spiritual director asked you, what do you recommend for like a one hour session? What would you say? I would anticipate it would be more than fifteen dollars, but we don't actually haven't gotten anyone to put that into the platform yet so yeah. it's going to be uh, you're going to be discovering with us yeah uh, what what the fee will be so this is a work in progress and uh your biggest uh challenges your biggest needs right now people are listening and i know when i ask a question about spiritual directors you lit up what, what are the two or three things that you most want our listeners to know right now about uh, seekdirection.app Yes, we'd love for you to get in contact with us if there are hiccups, bugs, things that you notice. Because again, individuals, people see things individually. If you tell us something, um, you can find our contact info on our website and you can let us know. So um, we would, of course, love both directees and directors to sign up now. And we would most of all appreciate if you would pray for us and pray that the Holy Spirit guide this effort and make it genuinely something that builds up the church and that empowers the lay faithful to know what the Holy Spirit is doing in their life. Because if we know what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life and the life of the church, we can follow God more closely. That's our goal. Yeah. Are you all uh, 501c3? Do you take donations? Uh, is this fully funded through the you know, the, the, the charge on uh, when people sign up? Or if somebody says, I want to support this, is, this, is that a possibility also? So like Hallow, which is the Catholic meditation app, we are actually structured in a for-profit way so that we can scale. Uh, we want to make sure that when we get profits, we can invest them back into the company and build out the platform quickly, quickly enough to meet demand. So um, while we don't have donations, we might be going into an investor phase. So yeah. if, if a person is interested in investing, uh, hit us up, hello at... Uh, seekdirection.app hit you up uh. <laughs> alright last question and I'm just anticipating questions that people listening may have somebody says well that sounds great and I know there's you know I can kind of choose the different qualities of my spiritual director but somebody's saying I want to make sure this person's faithful this person believes everything the Catholic Church teaches and there's no part of the catechism they're not going to you know recommend I divorce my spouse or you know uh, yeah, that, that kind of thing or you know, can, can, is there a guarantee of that? I mean, can we be assured that these are good, faithful, uh, you know, uh, Catholic spiritual directors? Yeah, I mean, it is conceivable that, like, outside of the SeekDirection.app platform, someone might be in spiritual direction and be told, like, here on Sunday that it's unlawful to, as you say, divorce, and then, you know, be, be told just to, uh, to leave a relationship um, without warrant. And that's yeah. something that we want to avoid on our platform, you know, and that sort of thing. So we actually ask a question um, in the director sign-up that's, are you willing to defend the magisterium? Yeah. All of it. Yeah. And we ask that of our spiritual directors, and we verify with their own spiritual directors and with their pastors that uh, they can serve on our platform. We know where they were educated, and that typically gives a good indicator so we want to make sure as best we can, we want to do all our due diligence to ensure that the faithful uh, Catholic spiritual direction that you're getting is in fact faithful. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate what you're doing. John Knowles uh, has been my guest, Director of Operations for SeekDirection.app. 
And uh, if they go there, they can get your contact information, or do you want to give your email or anything here, or should they just go to the website, to the site? Sure, John at seekdirection.app, and then the hello address, hello at seekdirection.app, forwards to me. Was that, to was that hello or hello? Hello, hello, hello as in like... H-E-L-L-O. He- okay, yeah. hello. <laughs> okay, John, thanks so much. Uh, it's, it's exciting what you're doing, and I, I ask everybody to pray for this as well, because this is very necessary, because uh, we all need direction in life, and this is a great uh, great opportunity there. All right, uh, and again, the, uh, one more time, the website is seekdirection.app. Is there an actual app, or is it a website? That's in the works, but right now, if you're on mobile or if you're on desktop, we would want you to access our site. Okay, website now. All right, thanks so much. Thanks also to Diane Xavier for running the board and producing this program. Thank you for listening, and uh, we always are looking for ideas of future programs, and I love when people like John come you know, at, and come to me and makes my job a lot easier, and it's good information as well. So if you have a suggestion for future interviews, just email me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. And thanks for listening. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend. All KATH 910 AM listeners are invited to join the St. Paul the Apostle Catholic Community on Saturday, November the 11th in honoring those who have served our country. Hosted by St. Paul Catholic Classical School, you will be moved watching young students pledge allegiance to our flag and country side by side with our veterans. After the parade, come and see themed original artwork, a display of military memorabilia, and much more. The parade starts at 9 a.m. with ceremonies to follow. For more information, visit spsdfw.org. Little Angels Catholic Store in Capel is a sponsor of KTH 910 AM. With the Advent and Christmas seasons right around the corner, they invite you to visit their store to begin shopping for the perfect Catholic gifts for your loved ones. Little Angels has a variety of books, jewelry, crucifixes, statues, music, and more. They're located at 600 East Sandy Lake Road in Capel, right down the street from St. Anne Parish. You can visit them on Facebook or online at littleangelscatholicstore.com. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. And I am really excited to introduce you to um, a wonderful uh, lady by the name of Dr. Carla Bellinger, uh, who I have on the phone line with me. And she is has been selected to head up a new institute for homiletics, uh, which is being established here in North Texas and this is a collaboration, really, of the Catholic Foundation, the Catholic Diocese of Dallas, and also the University of Dallas. And she's been named the founding executive director of the Institute for Homiletics at the University of Dallas with the goal of improving preaching in the Catholic Church. The Institute is a collaboration, as I mentioned, of Catholic Foundation and the University of Dallas. So, Dr. Carla Bellinger, thanks for joining me, and it's, uh, it's a great honor to, to talk to you about this new venture. Thank you, Dave. It's an honor to be interviewed about this adventure. Yeah, I think a lot of people are hearing about this for the first time, and uh, they are either saying, you know, I think my priest does a pretty good job in homilies, and some people may say, thank God she's coming, because we need help. Uh, <laughs> let's start off talking a little bit about yourself. I, I have a bio, and i got to thank my friend Bill Kula for all the preparations he does so well and in, uh, in helping me uh, with these interviews. So thanks, Bill. Uh, he's the Director of Communications and Marketing over at the Catholic Foundation. But uh, you're, you and your husband are converts, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, children, grandchildren, anything else our listeners should know about you. All right. I'm uh, I'm a mom. I have five adult children and five grandchildren, and um, 
I've been a Catholic, and my husband and I have been a Catholic, and I was 21 years old. Um, at the time, I was a forestry student, um, not thinking about preaching, not thinking about being Catholic or anything, and all of a sudden, there it was. Uh, on the Feast of St. Francis, we two forestry students joined the Catholic Church. So um, I've done all kinds of things in my life, um, many things that women in the Church do, Bible studies and uh, vacation Bible schools, and um, I got my master's degree from Notre Dame in systematic theology and, and did many of the things that women in the church degrees do. Um, I was a hospital chaplain and a youth minister, and I coached soccer and volleyball. And I'm, my background is kind of all over the place, which I always wondered why that was. But when you come to preaching, it really helps to be able to speak from many, many directions. So God had a plan that I didn't even know about. Yeah. I see here also on your bio that it says you're a pioneer in Catholic listener studies, particularly with youth. Uh, tell us, what, what does that mean, Catholic listener studies? All right. Well, most of, most of um, the very small field of homiletics, which is the field of preaching, has to do with what is the preacher going to say. And um, I've been in the pew all my life, and... I can hear a preacher say something, and my 16-year-old next to me, it didn't connect with him at all. Um, and I heard some of it, and the you know, 8-year-old on the other side is like, no, that didn't work. So in my doctoral thesis, I asked 561 high school kids, um, how do we connect? And so I had 84 questions, and I, I interviewed and did focus groups, and... As a result, that opened a lot of doors because no one is actually asking the um, people in the pew about our preaching. Now, the Pope has his new um, listening project on synods, um, which is interesting because that's sort of a broader version of trying to listen to people. But as a result of having heard young people, especially we're worried about our young people, you know, leaving the church and, and such, that opened a lot of doors. It opened the door for me to write my book, Connecting Pulpit and Pew, uh, which breaks open the conversation about Catholic preaching. Um, and also it's information that, that, that I have found that priests, and um, especially priests, um, have never been taught. No one has ever said, well, you know, how do I make an image that that sticks in the memory of someone? Yeah. How do I use a tone of voice that, that helps people to hear the voice of God? So listener studies is sort of like the reverse of, of the sender side. It's who's who's on the receiving end, and how do we make that connection? Mm, interesting. And the Institute for Homiletics, um, tell us what, what it's all about uh, and why North Texas? Because you you don't live here now. I know you're going to be moving here, but uh, why 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 the University of Dallas and uh, what what is the the goal and purpose of it? Um, well, the goal goal of the Institute for Homiletics is to improve Catholic preaching. Um, people have asked me, you know, how is this different? Um, there isn't in the Catholic Church an institute for homiletics. Um, there are two, a couple of universities, the University of Notre Dame, where I just uh, was working, and St. Meinrad's in um, Indiana that have programs in preaching um, for improving Catholic preaching, but there isn't an institute. And so yeah. in conversations um, two and a half years ago with Jim Maroney, I suggested to him that homiletics is undercapitalized and understaffed, and those are the two things that make most small businesses fail, not enough money and not enough people. Um, and so he has been um, 
I would say on a rip, raising money um, and trying to do something. I'm, I really admire the people of Dallas um, because other people will say, well, pre- preaching needs to improve. And here you have a whole cadre of people who are doing something about it. Yeah. And how does this work? I know this is going to start in Dallas and then perhaps branch out to other areas, but is it going to be voluntary for priests if they want it or deacons, I guess, perhaps as well? Is it going to be mandatory or, or who will be uh, the, 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 the students, so to speak? Right. The recipients. Yes. Um, there aren't many bishops who require continuing education for priests. Um, there are some bishops who require continuing education or ongoing formation for deacons. Uh, so it has to be voluntary. Um, working at Notre Dame for five years, um, I coached about a hundred Catholic preachers, uh, four bishops and a lot of priests and, and some deacons. Um, and unless someone buys into something, um, it's not going to stick. It's not going to make an impact. If you remember your required classes in high school, um, those were not necessarily the ones that you threw your heart and soul into. Yeah. So it has to be voluntary, and I am hoping um, that every person who listens uh, to preaching or listens to this radio interview will begin to pray for the Holy Spirit to move um, so that... Um, our our clergy want their people to flourish, want to know how to create a message that helps people to come closer to God. Uh, through the contacts that I made at Notre Dame, there are several other dioceses, um, at least four or five other dioceses that I have worked with, uh, whose bishops would like them to be part of whatever we de- develop as programming. Um, and I have a lot of contacts across the country from the work I did at Notre Dame. So I'm very hopeful that we can create something um, both vigorous and and sustaining and appealing so that uh, we get clergy who, who really want to throw their heart and soul into preaching. Yes. I imagine you've talked, uh, you mentioned talking to young people about preaching. Have you um, polled or questioned uh, adults and asked them, you know, what do you think about the typical pre-church or parish? What kind of feedback do you get that might uh, lend credence to the need for such an institute as you're heading up? Um, some of it's anecdotal and some of it's statistical. There was a large survey done in the Diocese of Dallas um, that showed a, a considerable interest um, for improving preaching. And uh, um, but if you if you really want to find out, uh, what you do is you go to any parish donut Sunday, and you sit at a table with people and you say the question, "How is the preaching?" And forty five minutes later, they're still talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People, yeah. I mean, especially the it, I, I find it's a, the passion is really coming from parents and grandparents who would, um, and I said this to Bishop Burns in my one of the um, interviews for this job. I said, Bishop Burns, um, do you know how much effort, effort and energy it takes for me to get my 15 year old into the pew to sit next to me? And I just want to say to the preacher, please say something to inspire him. Yeah. Yeah, that that does so make a big yeah, difference. It's parents, it's grandparents who are most in, enthusiastic. Right. Talk about, uh, and by the way, uh, Dr. Carla Bellinger joining me. She is the new uh, and founding executive director of the Institute for Homiletics at the University of Dallas. And um, how how does preaching 
play into the overall experience, uh, experience and what somebody is to get out of a mass? Because obviously the Eucharist is the source and summit uh, of our Christian life. And uh, even if it's a bad homily, you're still there getting the Eucharist. And that's, that's a great thing and the sanctifying grace that comes with it. But at the same time, the gospel and the readings and the homily are very important. So how does the homily play into the overall um, experience of, of the average person at a mass? Well, if we look at the liturgical documents, the homily is supposed to be integral uh, to the whole Mass. So the purpose of a Mass is to bring people together, bring them into an encounter with God, uh, and then to send them out. And so this Liturgy of the Word and the Liturgy of the Eucharist work together to bring people into an experience of God. Um, the people, I mean, if you look at the data, uh, the people who deeply believe that the true presence of Christ is present in the Eucharist. Um, they, they, this is that's your inner circle of people who they will come no matter what. Yeah. But five out of six, and this is from the I think it's a Pew Sacrament study. Five out, five out of six of the people sitting in the pew are not involved in anything else. They aren't the ones listening to your Catholic radio. They're not the ones going to Bible study. They're not the ones going to Knights of Columbus. So five out of six of our regular churchgoers don't do anything else. And therefore, the homily is really their only source of spiritual input for the week. The, not, I mean, yeah. it, 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 um, when I talk to people in the inner circle, they'll say, well, I come for the Eucharist. Well, that's fine. But if you look around you, um, people need some insight so that their hearts are open to the Eucharist. And so, they, so the preacher preaches on Sunday and their people go out into mission on Monday with their hearts on fire. Yeah. You know, I've always heard that uh, the the priest or the deacon is supposed to kind of focus in on the readings. And sometimes you'll get, you know, some way they foray, they go into a little political this or talking about this or, uh, you know, what, 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 what is a, a preacher supposed to talk about or, or is it, how much latitude is there for how they want to approach their homily each week? Well, there's a great deal of latitude um, because there isn't anything that says this is how it has to go. Um, but and they say, at the same time, there isn't a lot of latitude because if the homily is integral to the liturgy, that means it is an experience of prayer and scripture and reflection. And it's, it's, it's not a good old boy talk that says, um, you know, let's all go to Aruba next week because many of your people can't afford to go to Aruba. Um, so, so when I when I have worked with preachers and we focus on this idea of preaching for encounter, then the next question is, what are the concrete steps um, to take people there? And preachers come from many directions when they look up a scripture. But if and Pope Francis said this in Evangelii Gaudium, if the scriptures have resonated in the heart of the preacher, they will come out of his mouth and resonate in the hearts of the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's not and it's a uh, it's not a time for the announcements. It's not a time, um, you know, for superficial things. It's not even a marketing moment to tell people to go bring diapers. It's a time to bring people to God. And if you have to say bring diapers, say that at the closing comments, you know, yes. just before you all depart. But, do, do, do you uh, think it's, um, it's, un- it's an unfair uh, statement that people say the Protestants are better preachers? I think most people, most Catholics would say, yeah, you know, I, I could probably hear a better homily or sermon if I went to a Protestant church. Do you, do you think that uh, is an unfair statement or do you think that's true and that's why we need to play a little catch up? 
<laughs> um, I have worked with Methodists and Episcopals, and they also struggle with preaching. Um, the ones that maybe get on the radio may be better than the average um, preacher, but they, they have a different incentive uh, system. If our priest um, at Holy Trinity Church, I'm just making this up, um, doesn't can't preach, he doesn't lose his job, uh, his salary doesn't go down. Um, so there's a great deal of motivation in the Protestant church if you're going to move up the ladder, if you're going to make an income, if you have a family to support. Um, there's a great deal of uh, impetus on being a good preacher. They also don't have, most of them, other than the, you know, the Lutherans and the Episcopals, don't have a liturgy to hold them and support them. So they are the show, and um, it better be good. Yeah. <laughs> can can every every person become a good preacher? Uh, you know, you have so many different personality types, and some are very gregarious, some are funny, some aren't, some are very soft-spoken, mild, meek. Uh, you know, uh, do, you, do you think that you could, you could uh, through the proper training, turn any um, deacon or seminarian or priest in, into a, a good preacher? Well, I would say, you know, having coached almost 100 of them, that they come with very different backgrounds. Yeah, but there is enough in the field of homiletics. And one, one man from Chicago, he said after the year he spent with me, he said, "I didn't know there was a science to homiletics." Yeah, that that there are ways that you speak to people um, to bring them closer to God. But I would say that the people in the pews, um, and this is me having been raised a Presbyterian, uh, the Catholics uh, in the pews are not real fussy. Um, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that nourishes, we would be happy with. You know, we're not looking for a seven-course meal. Um, yeah. I mean, a seven-course meal would be nice, you know, to have a gourmet preacher. But one that feeds us and makes one point, speaks clearly, and uh, speaks to us with love, uh, someone we love and who loves us back. Um, we're not really asking for more than that. But there are specific concrete ways to help preachers you know, with their diction, with their structure, with their content. There are ways to take a, a someone who doesn't know how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich into someone who can. <laughs> I like the analogy. Um, when when do you start, uh, or has it already started? Do you have a staff? Uh, what, what's it going to look like, this institute? Well, I have already started, and I've been working on background things, you know, budgeting things, all the administrative stuff. Um, and we're building a staff, and... Um, so right now what it looks like is I'm looking right now at my window. It looks like an open window, and all I see is sky and clouds. <laughs> and I'm stepping through into something brand new uh, because this hasn't been done. I'm looking at hiring a, a, a number two person in the next uh, month or so, um, and I'm working on building and designing and scheduling programming through probably the middle of 2024. So um, I've got some things uh, in the works uh, immediately for this next year, and um, um, both for listeners, I'm developing resources for listeners in how to know what is an effective homily so you don't give skewed feedback, um, and also how can we help preachers. Um, and the third piece of, of my vision for the Institute is preachers and listeners, but mo much of my work is based on research, and too much in the church is simply guesswork and, you know, what, what is effective, what works. So there will also be a, um, 
robust research component to all the programming. So how is it working? You know, how can we strengthen it? How are, how are our preachers growing? Um, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I got to think, you know, you talk to a typical bishop and they will say, you know, it's, it may be a quarter of the Catholics in a diocese, and that might be a generous uh, number, are actually going to Mass on Sundays. Is one mm-hmm. of your, you know, quantifiable ways of telling that this is successful is that we're seeing more people coming to Mass? I mean, because, granted, sure. uh, you, know, uh, you know, better preaching would, I think, have that, uh, that type of impact. Would that, would that be something that you might be able to look at also? Yes, and, and that would be, the two the two factors that are sometimes factors of success is what goes in the collection basket and how many people are in the pews. Yeah. And we only have really anecdotal studies of that right now. When a an effective preacher comes into a parish, and I'm sure you've seen it in your diocese, more people come in and more money comes in. Yeah. Uh, when that guy leaves and goes somewhere else, all of a sudden half the people are gone and they wonder where they're going to get the money. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, um, yeah. Dr. Carla Bellinger is my guest. We're down to a last couple minutes here. Uh, she is the newly named founding executive director of the Institute for Homiletics uh, at the University of Dallas. And this is a collaboration that the Catholic Foundation is involved in and also, of course, the, uni- the uh, Diocese of Dallas as well. Uh, let me ask you just a curiosity question, Dr. Bellinger. And I don't know, I, I didn't tell you I'd ask this question, but is there a preacher, maybe somebody well-known, somebody that people may have heard of that you could point to and say, that's a good preacher. Somebody that, I mean, anybody I, uh, that, that comes to mind uh, that, that you say, I, I'm, I'm thinking Fulton Sheen. I don't know if, if you think, you know, <laughs> I, that, that's, I'm prejudicing the answer, but is there somebody who, sure. maybe even somebody that we've even heard of that you've heard uh, at a parish and said, wow, he's got it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Fulton Sheen um, worked for the 1950s, but his style we would find a little bit in our day, we would say, if you saw him in person, it's like, eh, maybe, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there is one, um, but I don't know that he's ever been on TV, there, and I won't even na- mention him by yeah. name, but there's a man in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan who is um, a very fine preacher, and he preaches on an Indian reservation mm. uh, for... Um, and his parishes, uh, uh, he has three parishes in rural area are just bursting full of people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, but, um, I don't have any, um, I don't have any copies of his preaching. Um, but, but it is totally obvious that he loves his people and they love him. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, is there a website where people can visit or anything on social media on the internet that folks can learn more about the Institute? Well, if you look through that window, that's only um, blue sky and clouds. There will be, yeah. um, but at this point, we are still developing that. And um, so, yes, I mean that's that's coming um, as soon as we can get that together. Okay, very interesting. Well, thank you for your time, uh, Dr. Carla Bellinger is by my been my guest. Uh, she is the new executive director of the Institute for Homiletics uh, in uh, uh, at the University of Dallas, and I. I know this is going to be expanding beyond Dallas uh, soon, and that's part of the goal as well. Is there anything else that you'd like to mention to our listeners, uh, Dr. Ballinger, before we let you go? Well, Dave, I would say, and I say this to all my friends, if you are listening to a homily uh, that is not working and your child is falling asleep and people are shuffling their feet, I 
ask um, everybody knows me by Carla. Just pray for Carla and pray <laughs> for our preachers. Um, because the Holy Spirit is the one who will make the difference. Yeah, amen. Well, thanks so much. Uh, appreciate it, and we'll look forward to uh, talking to you again. Hopefully, again, I hope you find a great assistant and that uh, God will bless uh, the work of the Institute. Um, this has been the uh, the interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. So thank you to uh, Dr. Carla Bellinger. Thanks to Diane Xavier for running the board and uh, for uh, Bill Kula again for making the suggestion and all the folks at the Catholic Foundation and the University of Dallas as well. If you have any suggestions for future interviews, I'm all ears. I'd love to hear uh, from you. You can email me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. Are you tired of working from home? If so, you're invited to check out Work Suites, a new sponsor of KATH 910 AM owned by Flip Howard from St. Thomas Aquinas Parish in Dallas. Work Suites is designed for professionals who desire their own workspace to get their work done. Work Suites provides amenities such as a receptionist, mail and package handling, meeting rooms, and high-speed internet. To learn more about Work Suites, you can visit worksuites.com or call 888-312-WORK. That's work, S-U-I-T-E-S dot com. St. Gabriel Archangel Catholic Church in McKinney invites all KATH 19 AM listeners to the Divine Mercy Chaplet for those individuals facing execution in the state of Texas in the coming month, as well as for the victims of violent crimes. The chaplet takes place following the 11 AM Mass on Sunday, October the 31st. For more information, contact Maria at ministryinprison at AOL.com. This is Tony Beshera. My wife, Chris, and I own Babich and Associates. We are the oldest placement and recruitment firm in the state of Texas and proud sponsors of the Guadalupe Radio Network, where you're also members of St. Thomas Aquinas in Dallas. Babich and Associates offers candidates insights into the current job market and provides professional candidates we have interviewed on a face-to-face basis to our employers. Our number to call is 214-823-9999, or you can find us on the web at Babich, B-A-B-I-C-H, dot com. Setting up spiritual direction for the first time used to be so complicated. Now, it's simple, thanks to an app that's changing the game. Log on to seekdirection.app and get matched with a faithful Catholic spiritual director. It's that simple. Don't delay finding the peace that a deeper prayer life will bring. Seekdirection.app. Find your way.
Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Radio for your soul in North Texas. Heard also on grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 